Hello, and welcome to Sip and Savor. I'm your host, Mega McSwain. I have been antsy to dive right into the topic of Indian food in Houston. As you might know, I'm Indian. I was born in Mumbai and moved here to Houston when I was three years old. Moving to America was quite the culture shock for me and my parents, as you can probably imagine. I couldn't speak any English when I got here, and I was thrown into school where I couldn't communicate with my peers or even my teachers. And my parents, who were in their 20s at the time, had to re-enroll in universities here and essentially begin their lives again. We did have relatives and friends here, which was a great comfort, but we also found solace in visiting the little pockets of Houston where we could have Indian food like we did back home. Throughout my childhood, we were regulars at the various restaurants located within the Mahatma Gandhi district, but we also were keenly aware of what local Indian chefs were up to and we followed and supported them in their different endeavors. One such chef was Anita J. Singani. Today, this name is synonymous with Indian food in Houston because of Anita's very popular River Oaks restaurant, Pondicherry. But she has been a player in the game for the past couple of decades. She began her career as an employee of Cafe Annie. She had a line of Indian chutneys in Whole Foods Market. And she opened Indica in Montrose, which truly got people excited about Indian cuisine in the city. Then she opened Pondicherry at probably one of the ritziest intersections, Kirby and Westheimer, in a retail strip anchoring a luxury apartment building. Despite its posh address, Pondicherry is casual, comfortable, and boasts a very approachable menu, resulting in guests of all ages from all walks of life. Along the way, Anita has racked up three James Beard Award nominations, one for Best Chef Southwest, Best Restaurant for Pondicherry, and most recently for Best Chef in Texas. She also went on to open the Pondicherry Bake Lab, located just above Pondicherry in the same complex, a concept which spotlights her growing menu of baked goods and where she hosts cooking classes. So I like to share a little known fact about myself in each episode, and today, since we're discussing Indian food, I feel like I have to share how much I have no idea how to cook Indian food, not a single dish. When I want to eat lentils at home, because I used to love when my mom would make lentils, and she still does... Um, It's a dish called dal, which is just very popular in Indian cuisine, and I just crave it. I literally go to Trader Joe's and buy a pack of lentils and heat them up. It's totally not the same thing, but I just don't know how to make them myself. It's not like there aren't a number of wonderful Indian grocers and markets to stock up on spices and ingredients, but I feel like, I'm sure like some of you do, completely intimidated when I see aisle after aisle of ingredients that I don't know what to do with. So I'm hoping that more conversation about eating Indian food and cooking with Indian spices will inspire me, and hopefully you too, to cook at home. So what better place to start than at one of my favorite Indian restaurants? I'm going to sit down with Anita today at Pondicherry to discuss her journey to becoming one of the top chefs in the city, how she's helping to change the stigma attached to Indian food, and what she hopes to pass on to the new generation. I'm here with Anita Jaisangani at Pondicherry at uh, the Shops at Arrive. This is in River Oaks. So, Anita, there's two very distinct concepts under the Pondicherry umbrella. There's Pondicherry, the restaurant, and then on the second level, there's, is it the bake lab and shop? Okay, so tell me about those and kind of how those came to be. I mean, we opened Pondicherry in 2011. Right. 
uh, and when I was designing the restaurant, we never even thought about a bakery. I really don't have a sweet tooth, so I'm not into baking. Or I, I guess I like baking, but I'm not, I don't look for baked goods. But, you know, when we were opening, we signed our lease in 2008, and uh, the financial crash happened. So the construction of this building was delayed by a couple of years. Wow. And we were supposed to open in 10, 11, I mean, in 9, 10, 11. Finally, we opened in 11. So in that time I had, I decided to teach myself how to make bread. Learned how to make real sourdough. I was like on this like mad sourdough journey <laughs> for about a year. I learned how to bake a little bit more. I mean, I have my baking experience from Cafe Any Days. Right. So I know how to bake, but you know, I really took it up seriously. When we opened, we just had like one or two cookies at that counter. And my pastry chef that used to work for me at Indica, Alexa Hernandez, she had moved away and she uh, left town, but she came back to Houston, came back to work for us. And she's like, let's do more. So, you know, it just progressed. Like, I don't know when we went from one cookie to 14 cookies, <laughs> but we did. And in between there were all these other things and cookies became like our thing. Because I always think that, you know, being an Indian, I don't like big desserts, even though our cookies are big. I want something small at the end of a meal I can share with someone. So right, something sweet just yeah, to have so, at the end of the meal. I mean, meal. we had literally, our bakery table was about six feet next to the guy that was doing all the prep in the back. And it was, you know, Panishri is a high volume restaurant. We do hundreds of people a day. So trying to make cookies along with, or make have a bakery program along with our savory program just seems so much. So... Within a year or two, I tried to convince my landlord to rent the space up here that was empty. I know no one's going to take it that easily. So eventually, we struck a good deal, and I took it, and it became our... It's more of an experimental ground than like a bakery. I feel like we try all our new ideas out here. We teach classes. And Hence yeah. the name Bake Lab. Hence the name Bake Lab. is also... I felt if I say Bake Lab, if I can make... if It will it, be more forgiving, because I've had a yes. lot of disasters up here, you know, but I'm like... <laughs> Wow, what do we do? We find a way to sell it, you yes. know. So, but it's just been a journey. And as you know, India doesn't do that much baking. So. Right? No, you don't see it very often. And I'm so glad you do because, like you said, it went from one cookie to 14 cookies. I mean, <coughs> I think there's a reason for that. People really enjoy them and they want to try more. And, and we've taken a couple off, and people have like called and protested, and I'm like. But we just didn't think it was good enough to stay. And I've literally given recipes out to them. Like, here, you make it. Take the recipe. <laughs> oh, you, you need to share it. some of those recipes with me before yeah, we're done. Yeah, I'd, I'd be happy to. <laughs> so I'm, I'm glad you touched on your Cafe Annie days and Indica. Um, tell me about kind of, you know, when you were when you got to Houston and kind of what happened after that. Because I know you're a you know veteran here in the hospitality yeah, industry. In I mean, Houston. I got to Houston in the 90s. I moved here from Canada. We had, from India, I first went to Canada. Moved here in the 90s and, um, you know, I, I have a degree in microbiology. I was going to go back to work as a microbiologist, but they required me to go back to school for another year and a half. And I was like, this is crazy. Canada, the U.S., why can't I just work here? Right. And maybe there was a blessing in disguise because it forced me to kind of stay home. My kids were little, so I was I stayed home with my kids for a few years. But in the in meanwhile, I was always cooking. I met up with a really good friend who was actually a neighbor that was also a good cook. And we did this small, like from our house catering business then we did this chutney business where we sold chutneys to whole foods oh delicious in the mid 90s mm. and they were actually really successful they but they were fresh so we had to make them out of co-packers that was right. my first foray into the food business right and then i went into cafe any to apply for a job and at first they oh said, i love how casually you say that i walked into cafe and well to they, they kind of kicked me out at first oh, because wow. they're like do you want to be a hostess i'm like no i want to be in the kitchen yes 
And they're like, what do you mean? I said, I'll be a dishwasher. They're like, you can't be a dishwasher. I'm like, I can. Anyways, eventually, um, I was very lucky because I spent a day in that kitchen. And the the kitchen people I spent my day with kind of wrote me off saying, oh, she's just a home mom trying to, you know, learn how mm-hmm. to cook. Like, don't hire her. But there was a pastry chef there at the time that had been watching me in the kitchen. She's like, do you want to do pastry? And I mean, I had to with a straight face say, I'd love to, even though even though I couldn't uh, couldn't do that. So I... Um, I said, sure, I'd love to. So I came back and uh, ended up um, uh, working for free for a month oh, wow. with them. And, you know, they made me sign a waiver. But they were just so generous, wonderful people. And then they hired me at my, you know, I had all these, like, heavy hours. My kids get off from school at this time. But they hired me, and I worked for a year, a year and a half, about two years, actually, part-time. And What a great place to learn it, it and was. practice. It was. And they, there's, there's a lot of generosity that that whole team had with their knowledge like they wanted to share that knowledge and uh, I have lasting friendships I've made for my time oh, I believe I still, it. I'm still you know I still think of Robert and Mimi as like my mentors in town even though I don't see them very much so. right yeah you guys are all so busy these yeah, days it's we still are such a great busy, concept yeah. yes but yeah that's that's kind of how it started and then uh, I left that looking for a space and we opened Indica in 2001. Indica was so fabulous. I loved Thank the you. food there. I mean, that's when I started kind of really going out to eat on my own without, you know, going with my parents. parents and, yeah. And uh, I just remember how cute it was in Montrose, and it was such a beautiful space inside, so Thank serene, you. and the food was, was so good. Thank so you. I was thrilled when you opened Pondicherry. Thank uh, you. I lived here in West... It was called West Ave at the time. Yeah, yeah okay. So I was here at that time when you opened it, and uh, I remember being in here eating the first week or two that you were open. Wow. And I ate downstairs with a big group of friends. We were just all really excited. Um, I mean, as you know, I'm Indian too. Yeah. So it was just really exciting to have fun places to go out to eat, you know, the food that we grew up on. Right. And to be able to have cocktails or wine and, and really experience that. Because there wasn't really a lot of that before. No, and you know, Indica was a very high-end restaurant. So I wanted a casual. I right. wanted a restaurant that every anybody can eat at. Like, you know, more of a... To me, like street friendly, like right. just anybody can eat, and it's not so pricey that it's out of people's budget. I wanted it to be an everyday Indian place. And correct me if I'm wrong, but with Indian food, especially if people haven't tried it before, they might want to come in and try a few different things to see what they like. It's not like they're going to come in and know exactly what they want if yeah, they've never had it before. Totally. So it it helps to make things a little bit, you know, budget friendly, so yes, that yes. you can share and you know. Totally, and they have this one concept of Indian food, and I wanted to change that. Right. So. So what was your vision for Pondicherry in the beginning? You know, beginning my vision was, and I think I, I'll at this moment that I remember that I'm one of just recall maybe a year had gone by and I was sitting at a table with a friend and I was telling he's like what do you love about Pondicherry I'm like turn around and look and in the line there was people you know in line and I had been told by people don't do kind of service River Oaks is not gonna wait in line they like to be waited upon I'm like well I'm just gonna do kind of service by day because I think it's gonna make for a more casual vibe and that's what I wanted to establish and we did and we're still doing kind of service by day and which they said you know so I'm standing and sitting with this uh, friend and I made him turn around and look, and there was people in the line, and there was our, we have a security uh, you know, service that takes care of the property here. Sure. There was a security guard in line. Behind him, there was a very you know, well-known uh, lady in town. I don't want to name her, but she's one of the 
big oil company executives wives in ta- in line behind her behind um uh, the security guard and they both ordered their food they got in line they paid they went and sat so to me that was a real triumphant moment so you wanted it to be welcoming for all yes. for everyone to kind of come in and feel comfortable and feel at home and totally eat. i love that totally and you know in houston you know things tend to evolve quickly people are kind of like into new things there's always new restaurants there's new yeah. things opening so in the 10 years that you've been open, how has it evolved from from you opening in your original vision to what it is today? Yeah, you know, and that vision remains that I want it to be for everybody. But I think my personal vision has changed to where I want. Like I have myself had a reckoning with why do we eat the way we do? I have gone back and studied you know, why is India the way it is? You know, you you get older and you think about these things that when you're younger, you're like, you know, it's everything should. And I feel like at some point chefs, and I was one of those chefs that only cared about how my food tasted. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, if it tastes great, it is going to go on the menu and I'm going to put it out there. Seasonal mattered, local mattered, but the taste really ultimately mattered the sure, most. Sure, of course. And then I get to a place where I'm like, you know, I can eat something that tastes really good and feel like shit two hours later. So how do I come up with food that tastes good and feels good? So that was my next step. You know, how do I make food that feels good? When I get into that, I was like, well, okay, it feels good, but I'm also trying to, you know, we're existing on this planet with all these organisms around us, whether it's the trees, it's the animals, and how do we coexist in a way we are not like pillaging this land? And I feel as Americans, we truly just have become so like self-serving in how we pillage everything around us. So I was like, how do we, you know, reduce our impact on that? How do we buy things that are closer to the earth? How do we not eat as many animals as we do right and that began my new journey and i started meatless monday maybe like two years out, and that was just on a whim right you know it was literally like oh let's do me and i'm one of those people that jumps in and then i forget how to swim like i'm just <laughs> I'm, that I'm, is not a bad quality well, it works yes, but i have i have that has caught me into a lot of trouble too sure. but i decided to do meatless Monday. i'm like that's pretty simple and you know my son who now doesn't obviously work for me anymore but he had just come back from college and i'm like why don't you work the counter he'll teach you a few things and he's on the counter and i'm like tomorrow we're gonna have no meat he's like what do you mean i'm like no meat but we'll have eggs wait and so there was no meat served at the restaurant on mondays at all yeah no oh, meat. wow for like but we're gonna start it back so this is a little secret but you're going to start it back this fall again. Okay. So we started Meatless Monday, I think 2013 or 12. I can't remember which year. It was either 13 or 12. Like, mm-hmm. I think it was 13 maybe. We started Meatless Monday. And it was, we started January 1st of that new year. And January 1st is always a holiday. So we were busy. And people were coming and saying, I'll have the chicken Frankie. And my son's like, no. They're like, well, what do you mean you don't have chicken? I'm sure you have some back there. He's like, No. The file is like my mom said is it's meatless. It's, it's, it's on the board. There's a new menu. There's no meat. And the guy's like, I'll just give you twenty bucks. Like make me that chicken Frankie. And and he's like, she won't let me eat chicken today here. So I I'm telling you, man, just get the egg whites to get the eggs. You know. Well, so, it was a good way for you to recommend people try something that was vegetarian. I mean, it got so bad that I remember there were people that just smacked the menu down and walked out. Yeah. And I got emails and. You know, Edirk showed up here with like they did a little story on this. So like, what is this Meatless Monday? And we don't, I don't think we had any PR at the time, so we didn't really announce it. We just did it. Right. So, and we did that for a few years. And then we took our menu and basically dropped the meat on it slowly, very, very systematically. We're like, okay, how do we reduce? Because I had a lot of meat on my menu at opening, you know. And I love to eat meat. So right. it's not that I'm a vegetarian, but. Right. Pondicherry is, has both vegetarian and non-vegetarian yes. and vegan dishes. Yes, right. lots of vegan. So. Right. 
but my goal was that how do I really make if you're going to eat meat it should really be worth it like you know make sure you're eating good meat eating it in the right and you know I feel like you're just so used to eating meat breakfast lunch and dinner right why do we have to it's do easy that? when you go anywhere you say I'll have chicken this yeah, or beef that and exactly it, I, I've gotten to that point because I used to be vegetarian and then I started thinking well when I started food writing and you know you have to eat a lot of different stuff totally. and I thought you know if I'm going to eat meat it's going to be something that whether I know what farm it came from or you know I'm not going to just go to you know wherever down the street meat. just yes. eat meat for the sake of it yes. I'd rather you know, cook vegetarian or try different vegetarian things because I feel like I feel better when I eat like that. Yeah, totally. So, and you know, it's interesting that you said you wanted to do that, but at first you were concerned about, you know, the food should taste good. So it's hard to do both. It can be hard yes, to do both. Totally. And then you go into plant-based, you know, you're going from uh, meat to vegetarian to plant-based and you still want it to taste really good. And, but you know, honestly, it's what excites me the most as a chef is trying to make food that is truly plant-based and tastes really good. Right. I was actually talking to um, a couple of barbecue chefs about how complex it can be to make a really good vegetarian dish because it takes a little bit thought, more thought, yes. more care. You have to really think about how those flavors are going to mix. You can't depend on that meat yes. for that flavor. So it's always fun to try you know, a chef's vegetarian dish, a chef's take on a really good vegetarian yes, dish, yes. I think. So that's where we've come, you know, and now my goal is that how do I reduce meat on my menu, keep it there at a very, at very special places, but really help build the awareness that, you know, eat meat, but eat it consciously, eat sure. it, like pay attention to the fact that, you know, I, I, heard, I learned the other day that all male chickens are killed upon birth. That's it. Oh, gosh. I mean, wow. 30 million chickens. I saw the movie Minari, and they talk about it like, oh, yeah, that's just... A, they just get thrown into a big blender and pureed and kicked, and, or they get burnt. Like, 30 million male chickens get killed in the U.S. every year because we only eat the females. And, I mean, I feel like I thought I knew things, and I'm like, how come I never knew that? Did See, that's... I think the that thing is secret? that people don't know these facts. Yes. And they're hard to... They're hard to learn. They're, it's hard to watch those documentaries yes. about the food industry because people don't... They want to ignore well, it. they want to deny it. Right. And, you know, you can't... I feel like at least I'm at a place in my life where I cannot ignore that. Right. Like, if I'm going to... If I'm going... Mean, no matter how many years I live, I'm going to be conscious of that fact. And I'm... Uh, so I'm more interested in how do I convey that to people in a, you know, not in a judgmental way because, you know, my son likes to eat meat at every meal. My daughter like to eat, likes to eat only plant-based. These are both my children. Right. You know, and I raise them both, but you, you can't judge people. You just want them to be aware right. of what they're doing and mm. just open up the awareness. I think you just being on a mission to do that or to attempt to try to make people more aware of these things is is doing a lot I really do because yeah because I feel like no, no, not enough people are doing that right you know I can buy the best meat and throw it on I mean cooking meat is to me a lazy way to cook these days it's like sure buy the best cut of meat throw some seasoning on it throw some butter on it right you know nice creamy sauce and you've got a great entree easy I can go to sleep and go home early and not worry about what I'm serving right but it's just if your conscience is okay doing that, great, do that. Mine, mine just isn't. Well, I will say that I do think people, whether they are going to eat meat here or elsewhere, I do highly recommend trying some vegetarian dishes here because the food here is so good. It's so flavorful. You Thank use you. ingredients that we don't see at a lot of different restaurants. Right. 
And I don't know if you remember, but a few years ago, uh, I did an interview with you. Uh, it was for a story on Indian food culture in Houston. Yes. And I remember you said, I hate the word, uh, like, fusion Indian food. Yes. And um, you didn't think your food was fusion. It was just its own kind of food. Yes. So so you still feel like that. and Yeah. I do, and I don't. I don't care. I've, I've my my anger over the word fusion has dissipated completely. <laughs> I mean, I don't care what you call it. Just come eat it, you know. So, right. Uh, and if you really look at the background of Indian food, I mean, people think, oh, samosas and naan and a curry. I mean, samosas came via the Persians. So did the naan. You know, that all came in the fifteen hundreds, sixteen hundreds, seventeen hundreds. Before that, there were not even. Uh, there was not even chili peppers in India. So right. if you look at Indian cuisine itself, it's like the ultimate fusion cuisine, honestly, because it has so many cultures. It's a melting pot of different. To, yes. Right. right. Yes. And a lot of people who don't know about Indian food who can kind of get intimidated by trying it. Yes. What would you say to them as far as the difference that is at Pondicherry? Obviously, I think the food is really tasty and I don't like to kill you with spices because I find often Indian food can be like, just knock me over with a lot of masala. Too spicy, right. Oil and a lot of oil. And I mean, I love my layers of oil on some foods, but it doesn't need to be so spicy. Right. I want the food to be a dance in your mouth, not like this, just knock me just down. Just knock with you out, yeah. right. Because I think that's a lot of people's fear is that, you know, it's too spicy or when people really like or spice. Or too hot. Right, yeah, too hot. And I think when then they come here and then they expect one thing or another and it's not. Pondicherry, no. really, it's just a lot of layers of flavor. Thank you. And we build those through our cooking. Right. Yeah, so it's not just one thing or another. No. Uh, what are your, um, some of the longtime favorites on the menu that have been here for 10 years? Oh my gosh. Um... We because I know a, you do, I, well, I this might not be a long-time favorite, but I, it is one of my favorites. You do Frankie's here. Yes. Which is... Yes, so Frankie's are definitely... Oh, the breakfast Frankie. Right. From day one till today. And the other day I ate, I was running around telling everybody, this is so good, why haven't I... I've not eaten it in a year. I just had Shame it a few on, weeks ago. Shame it's on so me. Good. And you know, I ate it that day with keema and avocado. Keema, just keema, not avocado. And keema... Keema is ground uh, curried lamb. Right. And you know, we literally put one... And to me, that's a perfect example of a little bit of meat going a long way right. so we put one spoon of keema on your in your frankie but it just dissipates the flavor because it's so flavorful the keema you know and wait and describe what a frankie is in case someone so frankie, doesn't yes. know so frankie is basically a wrap and it's a roti wrap so you'd make a roti and you stuff it with the whatever you want this chicken we have chicken we have vegetarian one and then we have the egg one and you just wrap it up and you put some chutneys and some um uh you know raw slaw in there and that's it so, so really flavorful, really yes. different textures, and it's yes. just a really nice bite. Yes, it's just a delicious, uh, and you know, it's whole wheat flour. If you want a gluten-free one, we make one with a dosa as well. So it's such a, to me, a healthy way to eat. You know, it's like a whole a whole meal in a wrap. And it's a so. popular street food in India. So Very, In Bombay, yeah. Right, if you sample that here, then, you know, it's a good way to kind of try something that yes. you might be able to try when if you travel there. You also have other light dishes that have become very popular. I don't know if they were in the menu from the start, but the green dosa? Yeah, that's new. Okay. Yeah, I made that for my daughter one day. She kept saying, can you make me something with greens? I'm like, okay. So I kept, one day I just made her this dosa, and I just, I was so irritated by her. Like, give me more greens. I just threw, like, a mountain of greens. She's like, this should go on the menu. Right, and, you know, just to clarify a dosa doesn't really have any greens no, in it to begin with there's no, zero exactly but the point is i don't understand why a dosa has potatoes because you're 
putting rice with lentils you're fermenting that okay that is itself is super tasty that's the crepe that's a crepe that's, that's right. it's, it's basically a fermented batter that you make a crepe with right those are a fermented crepe why would you put more starch in there right and i love a dosa with potatoes but i want to take a three-hour nap after right and who has the time to do that these days? well you know in indian food you know there's a lot of you see a lot of that i've traveled to india throughout my life and you know you'll go to a restaurant and they'll have like a Alu tikki sandwich, which is yes. alu means potato. Yeah, and then so, bread. Yes. Yeah, you'll have a potato patty. Like the pow. Yeah. That's a potato. A lot burger. of carbs, a lot of heavy fried. Yes. So I'm glad you kind of realize that and are changing it for us because I love dosa, but I can't eat. I mean, I'll have that once a year. It's right. just too heavy. And you know, I feel like in the end, I want to serve food that I want to eat. And if I don't want to eat it, I'm just not going to serve it. And I've kept that philosophy in my brain true. Like, would I eat that? And if I feel like I would just never eat that, it's not going to go on the menu. And for you as a restaurateur here with a casual restaurant, you want return visitors. You want people yes. to come back and eat again, not come yes. back in six months. They should feel like, okay, I can eat this food every day. And we have customers that eat here every single day. Right, right. What would you recommend to a first-time diner who would come a Frankie. here? A Frankie. Yeah, that's, that's a good so call. Nice, I need to remember that, so thank you. Order dosa. And, and you're Or a thali. Right, okay, so a thali, explain what that is. That is like a little, uh, it's like a little tasting, uh, like a little little bowls of uh, different ingredients or different uh, curries or salads together. With It's a sampling. It's, it's a, a nice sampling. big sampling. It's a sampling plate, yeah, right. thank you. And, you know, I will say, another thing I love about this about Pondicherry is that it's everything is so photogenic the food is beautiful like you Thank just want to take photos of it you want to put it on Instagram the space is so pretty Thank the bright you. colors a lot of the furniture is imported it's yeah. Indian authentic yeah, Indian furniture it is, yeah. it's just a really pretty place with pretty food and I know that's not totally important but it's fun no, it, it makes is, it but more. you know we eat with our eyes and right. you know honestly I feel like Indian food Like sometimes my, my mother was a really good cook, but sometimes food will arrive at the table looking like it had been hit by a truck. You know, it's like... <laughs> That's how my food looks when I cook. <laughs> well, I'm sure it doesn't. But I'm like, can we make it look a little... And even because we Indians, we cook everything forever. Like we just cook it and right. cook it and cook it. And, you know, at least throw fresh herbs on top. Like don't give me like right. brown food with no vegetables. Right. Or vegetables that are like so cooked down to like nothing. So And you, I love with your dishes, there's like a sprinkle of pomegranate seeds, which is yeah. it's a bright pop of color. Again, because you said Indian food does have a lot of brown and yellow and it's just not, you know. It, really that's, it exactly. can be stunning though. Right. And, and yours really is. Thank you. So, Uh, we, were, we were talking about spice earlier, but tell me more about dishes here that you feel like are spicy and then some that are more approachable as far as people who can't handle I mean, spice. I mean, the butter chicken is our most popular dish and it's definitely to me at the at the perfect sweet point for like spicy, but not... Uh, so it's, it's like to me, that's like, I call that uh, gateway food. Like first time to Panichari, try that. Have right. that or have a egg Frankie, have a chicken Frankie. Uh, if you're vegetarian, have a green dosa. To get those flavors of Indian yeah. food, but you're not bombarded, bombarded with too much. Yes. Right. Uh, then you can have our Texan thali, which has the keema, it has a lamb chop, it has, you know, a little bit of meat, it has a dal in it, and just really tasty, um, uh, richer dishes. 
and spicier dishes. And you do something interesting here that people might not expect. You do chicken wings. Yeah, right? we do the Madras chicken wings. Right. Yeah. And those are like, they look like traditional chicken wings you would get from anywhere in a basket, but they, they taste completely different. They taste just really interesting. Again, really complex flavor flavors there. Yeah, so those really, it took me like a year to get that recipe right. And I feel like now I look at them, I'm like, oh, they're so good. I mean, I never eat one, but sometimes I just want to munch on like a few, you know? Yes, no, so they're delicious. I really they like They are delicious, those. yeah. So yeah, those were, a, those were a journey to get to that place to, you know, to really make the masala stick on it. So, and we don't fry them. Like, I feel like why would you deep fry a chicken wing? Because it's so fatty. It's got so much, uh, we even do fried chicken, as you know, on Tuesdays. Right, right. So, so what is your favorite thing on the menu? Oh my gosh. Probably the green dosa, believe it or not. Okay. I have got to the point where I must eat that like every couple of days. Every three or four days, I'll have a little green dosa or a big one. I love the earth thali. That's my other favorite. Is that just vegan the, or vegetarian? No, that's a vegetarian okay. one. So it comes with the paneer. I love paneer. You know, I'm for me, I, I can eat uh, vegan, but I... I'm more of a vegetarian, so I'm like, I'd say 90% vegetarian, and I'll eat meat every once in a while. Sure. So. And your, let's go back to the Pondy uh, Bake Lab, because yeah. you have amazing desserts and cookies and, and baked you. goods. And many of them are, you know, you'll see traditional Indian sweets like ladu and, and things like that, but you have amazing cookies. I remember I had one that I loved. That, was it the spicy chocolate chip? Yeah, chocolate that, chili, yeah. Right, chocolate chili. That was very yeah. good. Um, and then also you came up with something that I think was amazing. The gulab jamun donut. Yeah, yeah. Is that still on the menu? Yeah, yeah. Now, how did that... Weekends only. Yeah, you know, I, I, I made gulab jamuns at Indica for two or three years and they were good, but I kept saying that... And, you know, I remember a friend that would always tease me saying, yeah, that's your Indian soggy donut. And, you know, he would make fun of them. And I'm like, you know, soggy donut, Well, soggy because donut. galop jamans are really, they look like donut holes. They are, totally. And that's really and what. And essentially what it is is a soggy donut in a syrup. Right. I'm like, why don't I just turn that into a real donut? Then I researched from my bread journey I went through. I'm like, what, how can I make? So our donut actually, it's like a sourdough donut that we make. Okay. The gulab jamun donut. And it's, to me, it's just fabulous and we sell out of it every weekend. Right. And, it's so interesting. I mean, as someone, I grew up eating gulab jamuns all the time. But when I saw this, I thought, how interesting. And, you know, it's really yeah. cool. And, it, and plus, it's bigger. So you want, you get a little yeah. bit more. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. that's really nice. Thank you. So in the, in the bake lab, you also sell different spices, yeah, uh, different masalas, things. That, yeah, we've really started building our, like, our, our product, um, Side because I feel like you know I'm really also trying to get people to learn how to cook. We have a, a recipe website india1948.com. Okay. That's a free website. So you it's, put your recipes on there. We put we it has hundreds of recipes on it. Wow. And we don't have all the restaurant recipes on there, but eventually we're going to put them all on there. Like I want to share everything that I do because I feel like it's the knowledge that I have, and it's to me the best gift I can give you is the gift of knowledge. For sure. So I want to share that. So we've. We've put a lot of people, when people call us for recipes, we just send it to them. We're like, okay, here you can have, like a friend of ours, a customer that comes all the time has gone to India on a visit and she's an American. She's there and she's like, can you see the recipe for the lavender cookie because I'm craving it so much. I'm going to make it in India. We're like, sure. So we send it to her. Wow. So um, I, I guess I'm trying to build that side of to get people to cook 
you know like how can i if you don't have to buy 10 spices okay here buy a masala right a masala because it can be intimidating to cook indian food where yes. you have to buy stock up on all the spices and yes. you think am i going to use these again or yes. am i going to just use them for one meal yes so yes, it's helpful true. to to have someone guide you on what yes. to buy i know you do cooking classes which i think is really we do. interesting yeah, we did in some the... virtual ones over the last year right and this fall we're beginning the um, uh uh, in-house again. So. And the Bake Lab is such a great space for that because it's really large and airy. You have that open kitchen where people can either, you can take them in there or they can watch. Right. Um, and it's just a really nice community space. Yeah, we've done a lot of cooking classes here, so yeah. Well, I'm so excited about all of this. I'm excited to eat here again because now you're just making me hungry. <laughs> but um, I highly recommend, if you haven't tried Pondicherry, to definitely try it. And definitely think outside the box and order something vegetarian because you will not regret it. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks so much, Anita. You're welcome. Anita is so much fun. I always feel so inspired after chatting with her. Not only does she make me want to get started with learning how to cook good, clean Indian food, but I feel like not so nervous now knowing about India1948.com. There are hundreds of recipes on this site that she mentioned, and it breaks them down into categories like vegetarian dishes, land and sea, desserts, and then there are different recipes on the various chutneys and grains too. Very cool and immensely helpful for a beginner like me. I know Anita and I covered a lot today, but I do want to leave y'all with some recommendations for when you dine at Pondicherry, just some of my favorite things that I think uh, everyone should try. First of all, the Frankies. We talked a lot about Frankies. I grew up on these. It was just something that we always had at home. Um, you know, it's a simple roll up stuffed with all kinds of goodness, whatever you like. So at Pondicherry, there are breakfast Frankies with egg. There are meat and vegetarian Frankies. And so it's a really great snack for any time of day. I love the chili lettuce wraps. These are like traditional lettuce wraps, but here the stuffing is so spicy and bold in flavor. You can get chicken or paneer, which is like a chunky cottage cheese, or you can get chikfu, which is Anita's combination of chickpea and tofu. And she uses that chikfu feeling in a lot of dishes if you prefer to eat vegetarian. Of course, I recommend the butter chicken, which is tender pieces of braised chicken cooked down in an aromatic tomato-based sauce. This is a very popular dish. I'm sure you've either heard of it or seen it at some point before. And if you've already tried it and you feel like you want to kind of experiment with something new, I would recommend trying one of uh, the thalis. The thalis are kind of like sampler platters. They've got uh, small amounts of different dishes so that you can really get a sense for everything Pondicherry has to offer. And there are vegetarian ones. There are morning thalis. There's um, the Texan thali, which of course has a lot of uh, proteins on it. So it's just a really nice way to get a full sampling. And my final suggestion is to check out the Bake Lab upstairs. There are cases full of cookies, pies, traditional Indian mitai, which are small bite-sized sweets. Uh, plus you can grab a coffee or a juice. So it's just a really nice place to check out, really a whole distinct concept in itself. And it's totally worth saving room for a visit up there. Like Anita, I love sharing any and all knowledge I have on Indian food because I love it and I want everyone to enjoy it as much as I do. That's it for today. Thank you for listening to Sip and Savor. 
If you want to connect on social media about today's episode, you can follow me at Hot Pink Houston on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And follow at Sip and Savor Podcast for behind-the-scenes moments and photos of the food, restaurants, and people from each episode. Also, keep up with Anita J. Singani and all of the delicious happenings at Pondicherry, from seasonal specials to news on cooking classes. Follow at Pondicherry on Instagram. And check out India1948.com, Pondicherry's recipe website. If you love this podcast, please do subscribe and look out for new episodes every Wednesday on the Eat, Drink, Dine podcast network. Until next week, sip and savor well. Thank you.